The second that we're going to look at today is with her relative Elizabeth. And then there was the interaction with Joseph, the man who would become her husband. Each of these interactions reveal how God speaks to imperfect people for the purpose of carrying out his perfect plan. And these interactions, when you put them together, we talked about this last week, like if someone were to come up to Mary and say, Mary, what do you remember about the time in your life when you were pregnant with Jesus? What do you remember about expecting Jesus? It seems like she would point to these three conversations, these three interactions as what she remembered about expecting Jesus. So today we look at Mary's encounter with her relative Elizabeth. Many of us would say that today, whether we're here in person or watching online, that we have problems, that we have struggles, there's separation, there's relationship pain, there's loss, there's life burden that are magnified or that are amplified this time of year. And the pandemic certainly has not helped. Many we know are facing a first Christmas without a loved one. Some loved ones will not see each other because of COVID concerns or because of politics. I recently heard a therapist interviewed on a Portland uh, talk radio station, and she was explaining how she was counseling uh, families who everyone had got the vaccine and they didn't want unvaccinated people to come over for the holidays. And what was so interesting is that she also said that she was counseling families who did not receive the vaccine, and they didn't want people to come to their house who had received the vaccine. Pastor Erickson used to say, are you serious? When we look at Elizabeth, we're going to see a woman who had good reason to be filled with emotional pain, with struggle, with burden, because of separation that she felt within her community, and possibly or probably even within her own extended family. And through this story from history, we find encouragement for whatever we may be facing now or for what we may face in the future. Where we pick up the record from history, Mary has just had this experience that no one else in history had ever had before her and no one else will ever have again. Mary uh, received visitation from the angel Gabriel and the angel told her, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. His name is going to be Jesus, and his birth is going to be set in motion supernaturally. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, and we're going to bounce kind of forward and backwards a little bit. But we'll start here, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 and 40. This is right after Mary has received word from the angel. And it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, husband, of wife, husband and wife. Mary went there with haste. She hurried to Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. What we know about geography is that the way that they traveled back then, it would be about a three-day journey from Nazareth to the hill country. In every other conversation at this moment in Elizabeth's life, anyone else she could have been talking to, Elizabeth would have had the most interesting story in the room. 
but not with Mary. And we're going to see that unfold. You see, we find the most detail about the birth of Christ in Luke's account of the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke, before telling the story about Mary's pregnancy, Luke tells us about another pregnancy. And that is the pregnancy that happened in the life of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, begins the historical narrative of the greatest birth in world history by telling us about a couple who could not have children. Elizabeth, she was the wife of a Jewish priest named Zechariah. And the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah while he was carrying out his responsibilities in the temple as a priest. And the angel announces that this pregnancy is going to happen for Zechariah and Elizabeth. It is announced that Elizabeth will give birth to a boy, and that boy will become the man we know as John the Baptist. This is a miraculous pregnancy because of Zechariah and Elizabeth's age. And husbands, you have to appreciate the way that Zechariah honors his wife and the way he explains their age to the angel. Look at verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How is this pregnancy going to happen? How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. You can use that. Well, Zechariah did not believe the angel. So what did the angel do? The angel took away Zechariah's voice, speech. Now, Zechariah, he had a bad moment of doubt in a life that had been overwhelmingly devoted to God. What we know about Zechariah and Elizabeth from reading Luke's account is that this was a praying household. Because as the miraculous pregnancy is announced, the angel says, your prayers will be answered. Because the angel says, your prayers will be answered, this tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth had specifically prayed for a pregnancy that never happened and reached a point where it seemed impossible. And Luke reports that this was a righteous couple, meaning that they were committed to living life God's way. I don't want you to miss this tension. See, culture shamed Elizabeth for not being able to have children. How do we know this? Well, Luke gives us a direct quote from Elizabeth. Verse 25. This is Elizabeth speaking. Thus, the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Reproach means shame, disgrace, shunning. They said there must be something wrong with her. They said Elizabeth is out of God's favor. Problems, struggle, separation, relationship pain, life burden. Elizabeth knew this. Elizabeth knew years of whispers behind her back and possibly even people saying things to her face. And all of this 
would have had good reason to turn Elizabeth into a very bitter woman. But we know, we know that shame and disgrace and problems and struggle are not always caused by sin. Now, sin will always lead to struggle. If you choose to live life rebelling against God's way, it may not be immediately, and some of us have been there, done that. If we choose to live life in opposition to God, eventually sin will always lead to struggle. However, but struggle is not always the result of sin. We do not always receive the desires of our heart packaged the way that we want them on our timing, even though we're faithful. Faithfulness and receiving what we desire are not always linked. Now Luke emphasizes that both Zechariah and Elizabeth are committed. Others see it, God sees it in the sight of God himself, verse 6 says. Their childlessness Try saying that word five times fast. Childlessness. Go ahead, you can try if you want. <laughs> Childlessness experienced by Zechariah and Elizabeth is not the result. It's not the result of sin or lack of faith on their part. These are faithful people who are committed to living life God's way. The people around Elizabeth, they get it so wrong. They get it wrong. They shame her, saying, you must be outside of God's favor. Now today in 2021, the last remaining days of 2021, looking back to what happened 2,000 years ago, we can see this so clearly. Culture, you got it wrong the way that you treated Elizabeth. She was a righteous woman. She was a faithful woman. We can see that culture around her got it wrong, but how often do we still get this wrong today? See, so many of us, even Christians, so many of us have this strong desire to be approved by culture. So many of us even have a strong desire to be approved by a culture that history will eventually prove got it wrong. Elizabeth living in this frustration, living in this shame, living in this disappointment, people in the city, possibly even her own extended family, speaking shame to her. If Elizabeth had told you her story before the miraculous pregnancy was announced, you could say, Elizabeth, you have good reason to be bitter. You have good reason to be negative and pessimistic. Elizabeth, you even have good reason to be angry with God. Yet Luke reports that this was a praying household. This couple remained committed to living life God's way. What do we do with life's burdens? Especially those that may be amplified and magnified this time of year. What many of us could tell others is that burdens withheld from God turn to bitterness. But instead of withholding burdens from God and becoming a bitter woman, Elizabeth gives us a great example. See, she, over the years and decades, she has faithfully brought her burdens to God. 
And as a result of this couple's faithfulness, a child is promised. And Zechariah and Elizabeth are told that joy and gladness are on the way. The reason, church, the reason 2,000 years later we're still talking about Elizabeth is because of her faithfulness. How many of us would want that to be our story? That we were faithful even when we had reason to be miserable. How many of us would want it to be our story that we chose to do it God's way even when that went against culture's way? How many of us would want it to be our story that instead of living in constant doubt, that we live expecting that God has a plan and it's going to come to pass in his perfect timing? Now, the baby in Elizabeth's womb also has great promise. He'll be known as John the Baptist, and the angel says in verse 16, and he, John the Baptist, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. It was promised that John will go before him, that John will turn hearts, that John will make ready, ready, all in reference to John preparing the way for Jesus. The angel Gabriel, who appeared to Zechariah, also appeared to Mary. And we looked at this last week. The angel told Mary, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. He is going to reign. His kingdom will never end. You are going to call him Jesus, which means God saves. And that's not just going to be his name. It's going to be his mission. In that encounter with Gabriel, the angel tells Mary that her relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Now, some of your translations may use the word cousin. That's the way that it has been translated, but the word at its root means relative, and we don't know exactly what the family connection is. We know that they were related, Elizabeth and Mary. And Mary hurries to Elizabeth, verses 41 and 42. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. John and Jesus meet through their mothers. Elizabeth carries the one who will prepare people to, the, to respond to the one Mary is carrying. John was great and was a sign of someone even greater. Elizabeth cries out, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And there's John. He's bouncing around inside of Elizabeth. This is not just baby kicks. This is a spiritual moment. God-focused, spirit-filled people are often given insights into his plan. That's what's happening here. You can read it over and over again, and what you'll find is that there is no indication. We don't know how Elizabeth found out that Mary was pregnant. How does Elizabeth know that Mary is pregnant? Not only do we not know how Elizabeth figures out that Mary's pregnant, we certainly don't know how Elizabeth figures out that Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. What we do know is that immediately after, we're told that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately after, we're told that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She speaks out loud words that are accurate about what's happening in Mary. And she keeps going. Verse 43, Elizabeth says, And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? We said that Elizabeth has been through years of public disgrace and shaming because she could not have children. Now, we don't know if anyone spoke words of shame about Mary or if somehow God supernaturally protected her against criticism throughout the pregnancy. But Mary certainly could have been shunned or even punished by culture for becoming pregnant before she was married. See, Mary and Joseph were committed to be married, but they weren't married yet. And Mary could have faced much more ridicule. See, sexual unfaithfulness would have been considered adultery, and the Old Testament punishment was death by stoning. So have you caught this? Mary does not see, Elizabeth does not see Mary how culture could have seen Mary. Where culture could have seen Mary as one worthy of ridicule, of shaming, of punishment, that's not what Elizabeth sees. Elizabeth sees Mary as God sees her. Elizabeth sees Mary as blessed. Elizabeth sees Mary as favored. Elizabeth sees Mary as the mother of the Son of God. And as a result, Elizabeth is grateful to be part of what God is doing. Going back to this question, if Mary were to be asked, Mary, what do you remember about expecting Jesus? She certainly could point to this moment with Elizabeth. Mary had received a message directly from an angel. The pregnancy begins without a man's participation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And thoughts that Mary had about where she anticipated her life would be going are completely disrupted and interrupted. So here's the question for us. If our life was disrupted and interrupted from where we anticipated everything going, who would we run to in that moment? Who would we first send a text message to? Who would we call? Who would we reach out to? For Mary... Mary hurries to the relative with a reputation for prayer. Mary hurries to the relative with a reputation of righteousness. Mary runs to the person who is known for living life God's way. And I believe that there are some of you, I know that there are some of you in our church family, you have become that person for people in your life. You have, because of your reputation, not of just a few weeks or months, but over years or decades because of your reputation of faithfulness, of your reputation of prayer, your reputation of living life God's way. There are people in your life, maybe your children or grandchildren, when their life is interrupted, when things don't go as planned, when God turns them in another direction, they call you, they text you, they want to come over. Because they want to be in the presence. They want to be near someone who has a reputation of righteousness. And what happens when Mary hurries 
to the relative with a reputation of righteousness, the relative Elizabeth confirms the good work that God is doing through Mary. There are many people that Mary could have run to and they would have spoke negativity into her life. But Mary knows there's at least one that she can go to and trust that this person, if anyone's going to see this God's way, it's going to be Elizabeth. And that's worth a three-day journey to get to her to be with that person. Church, we can be used by God through the discernment of the Holy Spirit to confirm the good work that our Heavenly Father is doing in the life of another believer. Verse 44, Elizabeth says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What we also see here is that God values what happens in the womb. Even in the womb, John points to Jesus. God sent a Savior, and he also sent someone to direct the way to the Savior. Now, as we look at all of world history, God sent one Savior. God is looking today for more who are willing to point the way to the Savior. As followers of Christ, we are here to direct the way to Jesus. We are here to direct the way to the Savior. Three decades after this moment, three decades after John and Jesus met in utero, three decades later, John is an adult and he has disciples and they're talking about John and Jesus and the, the disciples are asking John about Jesus. See, John had been baptized, and they were used to all the people coming to John. And now Jesus comes on the scene for public ministry, and the disciples are saying, what's going on here? Things are starting to shift. John, why is everyone now going to Jesus? We have the crowds. Now Jesus has the crowds. And John, in his response to his disciples, there's no doubt in his mind about his position in relationship to Jesus. You can skip forward with me or just look at it on the screen. John chapter 3, verses 28 through 30. This is now John the Baptist responding to his disciples who have questions about why Jesus is now attracting all the people. John says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And John, speaking of Jesus, says, he must increase, and, but I must decrease. The analogy that John the Baptist uses here is one that we still absolutely understand today. When John describes himself as essentially the friend of the groom, Jesus in this story is the groom and the bride is the church. And John says, I'm like the friend standing with the groom. I'm like the best man. And if you've ever had the privilege of standing up in somebody's wedding, 
or if you will have the privilege of being a bridesmaid, a maid of honor, a best man, a groomsman, you are standing up there, but it's not about you. And if you ever have any questions about this, ask the bride. And John says, I'm here. I stand next to him, but it's not about me. I'm here to point the way to Jesus. Back three decades now before that conversation on the riverbank, John is there in the womb. He's kicking. He's worshiping Jesus inside of his mother, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth says this in verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth is talking about Mary, and she says, blessed is she, blessed is Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth praises Mary for believing the promise God spoke to her through the messenger. Perhaps God has interrupted and disrupted the trajectory of where you thought your life was headed. And if that has happened, may what is spoken of Mary be spoken of us. Be blessed for believing that what God says will happen will actually happen. God will perform what he promises. Now, when... <laughs> When Elizabeth says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord, as I look through this through the lens of a husband, maybe this is the less spiritual side of me, but this comes off perhaps as a bit of a slight towards Zechariah. Remember, Zechariah, this is Elizabeth in Zechariah's house. Zechariah, when he found out about their miraculous pregnancy, he lacked belief, and the, the angel took away his voice. He silenced Zechariah. The angel silenced Zechariah for the entire pregnancy. So is it, is it possible that when Mary comes into the house, Elizabeth is there, that Zechariah is sitting there in the living room watching all of this unfold silently, unable to speak. He's the priest. He did not believe. There's Mary, the teenager peasant. She does believe. I'm just saying, is it possible that maybe for a moment Elizabeth turned away from Mary and looked at Zechariah when she says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Zechariah can't say anything back. Zechariah, maybe if you believed, you could be part of this conversation right now. Come on now. They're righteous people, but they're real people. Verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. It's like, oh, by the way, 
Mary stayed for another three months. Mary, if she was asked, what do you remember about expecting Jesus, and she were to recount the time that she spent with Elizabeth, highlight of that time was that first encounter when Mary came to the door and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognized that this was a God moment. Elizabeth, if you think about it, she had reason to be jealous, bitter, and envious of other women, and that would include Mary. Bitterness, envy, and jealousy cause people to miss out on God's work. And if because of her own life circumstances over the decades, if Elizabeth had grown in bitterness, envy, and jealousy toward other women, she would have missed out on what God was doing. Elizabeth, she had every reason to be miserable, but she chose faith. Elizabeth, she had good reason to be pessimistic, but she chose trust. Not always easy. So the question for us to wrestle with today, is there an event in our recent past or long past that for whatever reason is holding us back from the fullness of joy that God wants us to have in our lives? What we remember Elizabeth for is what I believe many of us would say that we would want to be remembered for. We want to be known for living life God's way, even when the events of life are not going our way. We want to be known for remaining faithful, even when we have reason to be bitter. Mary, what do you remember about expecting Jesus? Mary heard from God, Mary was approved by God, and Mary was willing to be used by God. Yet it's possible, even probable, that culture would have seen an unmarried pregnant woman and shamed her and declared that she is worthy of receiving the worst possible kind of punishment. I want you to hear this last part as we bring all the pieces together. You see, Elizabeth, she knew the pain of being rejected by people even though she was rejected by God. When Mary comes through Elizabeth's door, Elizabeth does for Mary what perhaps no one had done for her. Mary could say, my relative Elizabeth, she did not see me the way that culture may have seen me. Elizabeth, she saw me the way that God sees me. Favored, blessed, mother of the Son of God. Church, I invite you across this room 
to have a moment one-on-one with your heavenly father right now and simply to make that moment personal to just close your eyes and consider how God may be challenging you, encouraging you to respond to this message. I believe that God is speaking to burdens, to pain, to loss, struggle. And in some measure, if you're here today and there's a burden that you have been withholding from God, is it possible that you're seeing how this has turned you into a person of a bitterness and you don't even recognize yourself or you, you sense yourself becoming someone that you don't, even, you don't even know and you see so clearly that today is because at some level you've withheld a burden from God. And so today... You'd say, I want to withhold no more. Today, you want to bring that burden to God. Perhaps today, as you hear the historical record of Elizabeth and how in that moment of Mary walking through her door, filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth speaks out loud words of confirmation of God's purpose. You would say that what you long for today is that filling or refilling of the power of the Holy Spirit, that you desire that praise, that boldness, that wisdom to to see things the way that God sees them. And again, this only is as good as our level of honesty with our Heavenly Father. Today might be a day of repentance. Because if you were to speak honestly, you would say that there have been moments where you've been quick to judge others the same way that culture judges them. And it's possible that you've spoken shame, that you have spoken rejection into a life when you really don't know the rest of the story. And as God may be bringing specific interactions to mind, your prayer is, Father, I don't want to see people the way that culture sees them. I want to see people the way that you see them. Open my eyes. Prompt me in the Holy Spirit when I feel like saying something. If if I'm supposed to pause, Father, give me that pause. Maybe there's a time when everyone else in the circle is saying all these things. I don't want to say just what everyone else is saying. I want to say what you would have me say in that moment, Father even if it's what no one else is speaking. Father, we thank you for recording in your word through through Luke the story of Elizabeth and her faithfulness and Zechariah. That when Mary's life was interrupted and disrupted and the trajectory of everything she anticipated was completely changed. Who did she run to? She ran to the one with the reputation of righteousness. She hurried 
to the one known for a prayer life. She, with haste, went to the one committed to living life God's way, even when things weren't going her way. Father, help us to be people like that, to learn from the example of the life of Elizabeth. Father, burdens that we may be carrying today, that we may be withholding today, we say we're not going to withhold them anymore. We're turning them over to you. Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit to fill and to refill our lives, giving us that boldness, that wisdom, and that discernment, and that empowerment to do things that are much greater than we could even imagine, and to worship deeper. Father, forgive us for times when we've been trapped by trying to fit into a culture that rejects you. Father, forgive us when we have spoke words of condemnation just as culture would speak them. Father, we want to be used to speak life. Father, for the one who's here today, they see that Christmas is on the horizon. They've known about Jesus. They've celebrated Christmas, but they've never made a personal decision. That's you today. You want to make a decision for Christ today. You want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Right now, in this moment, don't let another day go by. Say, Father, I receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. You can say this right now, right where you are. I, I just heard it. Maybe someone else wants to say that. You want to say, Father, I receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. And right now, in this moment, you can tell your heavenly Father, I repent. In basic words, that means I turn away from my life of rejecting you, and I turn my life toward you. And you can say, Father, thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for washing me white as snow. Thank you, Father, for new life in Christ. And for the one who's made a first-time commitment or recommitment to Christ today, may this moment that the trajectory of our life, the direction has changed forever, pointed to heaven. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.